do you want me to stop sharing so that you could start it and I can show oh, share again? No, no, there's there's no need. This is okay, a great holding right. slide for people to okay. see when they come in. So all right. uh, I'll hit that webinar and folks will start coming in. Testing my background. No. Okay. Thank mm -hmm. you. Welcome to everyone joining the webinar. We'll give folks just a minute or so and to get into the Zoom room and then we'll get started.
right, let me go ahead and get started with our housekeeping today. Um, my name is Rachel Dager. I'm the Executive Director of SNEB and glad you're joining us for the webinar today. I'll also in, uh, introduce my colleague, Paul Bierman, who's SNEB's new Director of um, Events, and he is assisting me with the webinar today. Uh, so as we get started here, um, Glad you're joining this session organized by the student division. Uh, a special welcome to anyone who is not a member of SNEB. And just a reminder that um, all SNEB webinars, um, whether live or recorded, are free to members as a benefit of membership. Um, so if you're joining us as a non-member and want are interested in becoming a member, uh, don't hesitate to reach out and we would be happy to tell you more. Um, so we're going to go ahead and put the um, handout for today's presentation presentation in the chat. Uh, so you can download that and follow along. Um, the caption option is on, so use that if needed. The organizers have a few uh, poll questions at the start of the webinar. So keep your eyes open for that and uh, respond to those questions as we get started. And then we will take questions at the end of the presentation. Uh, so at any point, you can type those questions into the question block or the chat block, and those will be moderated to the presenters. Uh, when the webinar ends today, you'll be prompted to complete a short survey. Uh, please take a moment to complete this. Your feedback is greatly appreciated. And I know I've already talked to the students about the student division about uh, possibly more webinars um, that they're planning. And so I know that that feedback is important. Uh, we are recording today's session and that will be available to SNEB members um, on the website. But then there'll also be a follow-up email sent to um, registered attendees. That'll probably come out Friday this week that includes a link to the recording, um, the handout as well as the CEU certificate that you're earning for your live attendance. Um, that email comes from Zoom. So if for some reason it gets to be next week and you haven't seen that, um, just reach out and we'll be happy to send that follow-up. So to start today's presentation, I'll introduce um, Neela Pridenung. Neela is the Secretary of Treasurer of the Student Division and a graduate student at Louisiana State University. Hi, thank you, Rachel. Welcome everybody uh, to our first SNEV student division webinar titled as Navigating Nutrition-Related Careers, Insight Strategies and Success Stories from Academia, Industry and Nonprofits. We have interesting session planned for you today. We have here today with us three expert panelists to share their stories and their careers in nutrition, answer your question, um, discuss strategies and skill sets that are required uh, for the competitive job markets that we all know in terms of in the field of academia, industries, um, and nonprofit and any other um, factors that you want to know. As Rachel already mentioned, um, that the participant of this webinar will receive one CEU for the live attendance. Um, and this is the information that is also in the handout. Before we get started with the panelists, I want to introduce myself and Mary, who will be uh, coordinating this webinar. I am Neela, and I'm your host and technical assistant for the session. Um, as Rachel mentioned, I'm the secretary treasurer for SNEB student division for this upcoming term, and I'll be staying offline for the majority of uh, the webinar, coordinating the chat and questions um, and other technicalities. But the moderator for our event is Mary, who is a doctoral student at Texas Tech, Texas Tech and is the coordinator of the reader Red's uh, Food Pantry. Before I pass on to Mary, I just want to touch base on a few housekeepings as well. Um, as Rachel mentioned, this webinar will be recorded and will be available on the SNEB event after the session today. Everybody is requested to stay muted during the panel discussion. However, we want to have very interactive Zoom chats. Um, so please feel free to quite drop in any questions, answers, or follow-ups you might have for our speakers today. We'll try our best to address few of the burning questions at the end of our session. Um, the contact information will be shared during the session as well as there it's in the handout for all the panelists. And I'm pretty sure the panelists wouldn't mind you contacting them for any follow-up questions. So before we get started, we want to know a little bit about the audience to target our discussion a little better. So right now you will see on your screen your couple of poll questions. Please um, answer them. And this is going to help us kind of make the content relevant. I'm going to give you a couple of minutes to do it as I do it myself. 
so that I'm counted. Oh, I cannot vote. Okay. <laughs> All right. And we will have the results after you have participated in the poll. While you participate in the poll, I would like to hand the virtual mic to Mary, who is going to moderate the event and discuss what the agenda for today is. Mary, up to you. Hi, everyone. <laughs> um, that's so excited to have you here. Like Nila introduced me, I'm Mary Oyewale, and I'll be your moderator for today's webinar. This is our first ever career webinar by the SNAB Student Division. And we're looking forward to an exciting moment, not just with the audience, but with our panelists as well. Most of them are the um, are alumni of the um, student division, and as well as um, they are currently in their professional life where they can have, um, like share their experience with us today. So to start with, we have three panelists, as you have seen in our graphics for the promotion of this webinar. And, um, I will also put our panelists on the spot. We have the introduction slides. Um, Anila will be coordinating the slides as well with me while I do the moderation and the facilitation of the questions. Um, I'll start with Jeb. Jeb Bastin um, is an assistant professor um, of Extension Nutrition and Health State Specialist in South Dakota State University. And he has this experience um, right on the screen, but I'm giving Deb one minute because I think giving the context from the speaker will also help us to know more about them. Just see it as someone talking about himself in a few minutes with you. So I'll hand over to Jeff to talk about himself. Yeah, we have the slide, but let him talk to us. <laughs> No worries. Thanks, Mary. And good afternoon, everyone. Um, so I'm Jeb Bastian. Um, so yeah, so I'm an assistant professor um, at South Dakota State University. I'm also, I work in cooperative extension. So I'm the extension nutrition and health state specialist um, for South Dakota. Um, so my previous experience, um, both my undergrad and graduate degrees are in nutritional sciences. I did my undergraduate at Cornell University and my PhD at Rutgers. Um, in between them, I did a dietetic internship, so I am a registered dietitian. Um, and so after I got my RD, I worked for a little bit at the New York State Department of Health, um, doing some public health uh, nutrition work, um, particularly within SNAP-Ed. Um, really realized that I loved public health evaluation, and I kind of went back to school for that. Um, and then just as a past SNEB um, volunteer, I was uh, the chair of the student division from 2020 to 2021. I'm also pretty active with uh, the SNEE division, the extension division, um, as well as um, other roles within the society. Okay. Thank you, Jeff. That was a great elevation speech. <laughs> like elevator speech. That was awesome. Our next speaker and also one of our panelists is critical. She's representing like the industry perspective of um, nutrition career. So, um, Kritika, yeah. Thank you, Mary. Um, as you can see from the slide, I wanted to give like a real honest picture of my journey here. Um, like, yes, I have a PhD in nutrition. My master's and bachelor's have been in nutrition. And um, right now I'm working as a senior program analyst at Triple Effect, but that's all like the bright story, which you will see in my resume and CV and perhaps LinkedIn. Uh, but I did want to give a little bit of background within one minute that I have is that back in 2013, I just decided all of a sudden that I don't want to go to med school because who's gonna go to school for 10 years ironically enough I decided to get a PhD uh, I finished my undergrad in 2017 in nutrition uh, back from India then did my master's because I was like I don't know what I want to do in my life and that was the reason I started doing my master's again in India uh, but that's when I actually get it uh, I, I started to get interest in the nutrition as subject matter and I found myself having that passion for public health and um, I wanted to go to a country with immense amount of opportunities and of course U.S. it was I flew to um, the U.S. in 2019 finished my PhD in 2022 um, 
my advisor, my whole committee was um, absolutely um, amazing. And 2019 was also when I started as a member of SNEB. I started, I joined the student division, became chair elect, became chair. So I kind of followed Jeb in that. Um, then 2022, 2023, which was a past academic year, I was a student representative to the board and advisory um, and a member of advisory committee for public policy. Um, for my job itself, I did want to give a little bit um, twist that was in my life that I was an international student. So I did have to consider immigration policies and all that stuff, my student visa status, my work visa status, and, you know, to align that everything with my um, completion of degree and starting a job. So after PhD in nutrition, I did my postdoc in evaluation at the same university, and then I transitioned into industry. This is a little bit of background, and I'm sure we'll talk more about it in detail. Over to you, Mary. Okay. Um, thank you, Critical. So I was like, oh, yeah, we will talk more in our questions. Thank you. I know you're ready. We have Whitney, um, our thoughts panelist, and I wanted to talk more about uh, Johnny, just in brief, Whitney, because we want our audience to know that we have them in mind in throughout this webinar. So, Whitney, yeah. Yeah, hi everyone. It's uh, great to be here. My name is uh, Whitney Fung Oi. I'm currently a postdoctoral fellow at the Gretchen Swanson Center for Nutrition. So, I'm talking a little bit about my experience on the panel as a nonprofit. Uh, employee, and then I'll talk a little bit about the past nonprofits that I've worked in as well. Um, so I uh, I have a bachelor's in nutritional sciences. I'm not an RD. I was originally pre-dental and similar to Critica, I didn't really know what I wanted to do. I decided to not go the dental route my senior year. Um, and then I ended up taking a, an easy A elective um, called Intro to Family, Youth, and Community Sciences. And I fell in love with that. Um, I'd always been um, passionate about social issues. And so the master's was really something that could dive deep um, into some of the family, youth, community problems. And um, it happened to be the home department of ex the Cooperative Extension at University of Florida. And so I did my master's there. And um, thankfully, it was heavy in research methods. And then I also got did a concentration in nonprofit organizational leadership. So got to understand how to manage, operate, um, nonprofits, and then just understanding fundraising and, and those side of things. After my master's, um, degree. Um, I was I did a graduate assistantship at the time and I was working with 4-H. And so I learned a lot about cooperative extension, then worked as a um, got a job as a family consumer sciences agent in um, a small rural county um, in Florida. And so was there. Um, that's when I kind of shifted from individual level kind of nutrition education to more seeing community-based issues. And I, I started to understand that there are systems issues, there's policy issues. And I worked very closely on like a lot of different types of nonprofits, coalitions. And that's when I decided to pursue a PhD in public health, where I really wanted to explore policy. Um, and then also population health approaches. And so um, public health was where I got to explore different types of topics, which I'll talk about later. Um, and then during that time, um, my research area is in emergency food assistance. And so while I was doing my PhD, I got a job at the food bank as a data insights manager. So doing some of that data analysis. So really using the skills from my past degrees at a food bank and applying the research um, and doing, doing my dissertation through the food bank as well. Um, so a couple of different nonprofit um, experiences. And then you'll see that through what I did in the past, um, I'm hoping to look at, hoping to do more public health nutrition, community-based research, and then more in advocacy and policy. And then I'll just end with um, a shameless plug that this is the 10-year anniversary as, a, as, as an SNAB student member. So I graduated my master's in 2013. So um, I've been on and off in the student division, and this is a really great opportunity for you to meet um, friends like Jeb and Kritika and I are part of. So it's been a while, but nice to be here. Thank you, Back Whitney. You. <laughs> Thank you so much. I like the ending part, like 10 years in SNAB. That's great. Like you said, we hope we can network, connect more, and get questions answered during this webinar today. But more to that is interacting with other SNAB student members because um, we're beyond just grad school. We want to have a community where we can 
know that other people are in this with us and we can share experiences or even learn um, from each other. Thank you all to our panelists. So now we'll have the result of our poll question because um, that will help us. Thank you, Nila, to see. We have um, a lot of people in their professional journeys still, um, I think, more PhD students are represented, but we have master's students, grad school, we have people transitioning, people working, as well as, um, we don't have undergraduate today, but it's fine. Um, open, we have more students represented in the undergraduate, but also for career path. We have a lot of people in the industry looking at, oh, we're eager to know how nutrition works in the industry. And we also have people looking at NGO, witness experience, academia. Mm. A lot of people are like, okay, academia, we're not sure, but we're in grad school. So this is a good opportunity for us to learn from um, the wealth of experience of our panelists. Um, we actually gonna go into our panelist questions now. Yes, and then we're going to have those recognition of 10 years, of 20 years, hopefully. <laughs> I know there's some people during the last conference, we had people that had, um, a lot of experience. I think the current chair has been in SNAB even right from when she started at a job as a nutrition professional. So back to questions. Um, for our panelists, don't worry, just be open with us. We're here to learn. So the first question, knowing that we have um grad student represented here, we just want you, I will go with the um, I think with the cycle from Jeb to critical to Whitney. And so, um, so Jeb will be um, answering first, then um, Critica as well as Whitney. I hope that works. But you can jump in and at, at, after each of the speaker just to give your um other opinion about the questions. Um, for each of the questions, we're gonna have like three minutes each. Hopefully, one minute. But we know like we still want to accommodate other questions aside our panel um panel questions today. So the first one. Um, looking at grad school, the time of growth, can you discuss to us um, how you were able to navigate some challenges and as well, like the positive side, make some informed decision during your grad school, as well as how you consider some learning opportunities to help you get the job you have, like the current um, job position you have, what advice will you give to us on those that pursuing or thinking of considering this kind of job-related career in nutrition. Just looking back, what are the lessons, um, Jeff? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so, um, so when I was reflecting on this question and thinking about what lessons I learned in graduate school, I first actually started thinking about um, lessons that I learned not even in my undergrad, but like before I even started studying nutrition. And so um, one fun fact about me is before I started as a nutrition major, I was a music major for a couple of years. I played the tuba um, and I was doing some music composition. And so I took a theory class and um, I just, this quote always stuck with me, but um, the professor, he was, he was very energetic and he would always say, life is always about relationships. Um, and he would say that just about every week. Life is always is all about relationships. And I think he was mostly talking about secondary dominant chords and the fact that they're related to the dom to the dominant that comes afterward. But thinking about people and actual relationships and and everything, it it really helped me kind of craft how I decided to approach graduate school and approach my time in graduate school. Um, you know, yes, you're there to learn about how to be a researcher, how to manage a project, how to go through um, all of those steps to become a researcher. But at the same time, it's a great place to network. It's a great place to build relationships. And um, I was very intentional about that relationship building um, throughout all four years of my PhD. And so not only through SNEB, through student division, through other networks, um, because I knew that I was really interested in extension and I was interested in an academic career and I was interested in, in particularly staying in extension as I went into an academic career, I was very intentional about creating 
um, relationships with my multi-state research team, which was full of a lot of extension people, um, the FNEP national team. And so by the time I was ready to apply to jobs, I more or less knew at least one person at almost every land-grant university in the U.S. And so I was almost prepared no matter what uh, what university had the the call open, knowing that, you know, I was looking for a very niche position that's only offered really at 76 institutions across the U.S. Um, I knew that when I got the call, I would at least have the network to help support my application, or at the least, it'd be like two degrees apart. Um, so I think that that's one of the things that, um, one of the lessons that I learned even a little earlier in life, but I really applied it um, hard in graduate school, especially because I did about half my degree during the pandemic. Um, it was really easy for me to focus on this because my research project was delayed by almost an entire year. And so while I was trying to to pick the, up the pieces of that, it was really easy for me to focus on that. And I think it really paid off um, greatly um, going forward. Oh, thank you, Jeff. That was so insightful. Like you even talking about relationship building that's major so i'll move to critical um for her to share experience about how she navigates um like a time during that grad school as well thank you thank you so um yeah i mean reflecting on my i almost wanted to say jeb yeah i remember that <laughs> time you know for your answer anyways so um looking back at my time in graduate school i think i i do wanna and i kind of kept some notes um i want to say like be experiment be open to experimenting with transferable skills uh, more often than not you don't even know what transferable skills you possess so you need to see that nutrition is more than just diet planning. Nutrition is policy, nutrition is data, you know, nutrition is artificial intelligence, nutrition is leadership. There are so many transferable skills that you have and you're probably um, already experimenting with those, but you don't know how to change those skills into your um, employability. I think just being open to um, that employability and being flexible with learning some of what is not taught in our mainstream curriculum, that's how um, I was able to get the current job that I have. Second, I would definitely um, repeat what Jeb said, like network as much as possible. I would say try to network with people beyond your department, um, leverage social media, leverage LinkedIn, reach out to people who are not even in your same state, reach out to people who are not in the same job as you are seeing around yourself. That's very important because that's when you will know what is the applicability of transferable skills that you have. And if you don't already have it, I think being a student is a very good position because that is the time where you can learn the skills that you don't have. You can learn the curriculum that, that is not taught in your classrooms. And third, I'm reminded of one of my um, teachers back from um, high school. He mentioned um, satisfaction is death. And what he meant when he said that was, if you are not curious, if you think you are satisfied with whatever learning that you have, you will never be able to progress in life. And I did not really understand that until like recently. Now, when I reflect back on my entire journey, I think just because of the fact that I was curious to gain new knowledge and I was not satisfied with the knowledge that I have, I was able to kind of progress the way I did. So for example, evaluation was not a part of my master's or PhD curriculum or data analysis was not a part of my PhD master's curriculum or artificial intelligence was not a part of that curriculum. However, I kind of um, noticed the value and you know the way the world is progressing. I noticed that super early on and I had that buffer period of six to eight months where I could still develop my skills, just going online, reading about it, finding out some courses, free courses. And sometimes those certificate courses already exist in your university, but you don't know about it. And I would say that in master's and PhD curriculum, you do have that um, space where you can register courses from other departments, for example, business or maths or physics or whatever. Just being uh, just coming up with that strategy of how to uh, blend everything together for your own benefit. I think that's really, really helped me um, throughout my journey. Maria, Sorry. Maria. <laughs> my mic was muted <laughs> because I was I don't want to interrupt. Thank you, Critical. Um, you mentioned transferable skills even beyond your master's or PhD curriculum. 
Um, I can see questions in the chat. Just know um, for all the uh, um, participants, at the end of the questions, or the panel questions, we will um, entertain one or two questions, but we're also collecting all these questions that we'll share with you all based on the answers from our um, panelists. Just uh, be patient and wait till the end. So back to what Critica said, I observed when you were um, introducing yourself that you also came in as an international student into the United States. So looking at your journey of just not just navigating grad school, but looking at, oh, what to do next, immigration and things like that. Um, I think it's also relatable. Personally, I'm an international student, though I worked before in the university, before coming to the US. So you need to know, okay, what do I want to do? And thank you for working on AI skills, um, networking will be your, your field of study to help you look at how relevant you can be, maybe in the industry, in the academia or nonprofit. So back to Whitney. I know you're ready to talk to us. I can see the energy of nonprofit and how to help community-based um, nutrition um, projects. So with me, how did you navigate and decided that this is what I want to do? Um, and also the skills you got. Thank you. Yeah. Okay, so this is the second question. The, the first. The first, and I'm looking at that time. So um, after this, we'll go to the second question. Yeah, but the second question will be more relatable to what you did, yeah. Oh, sorry, you want me to answer the second one? The first one on oh. the skills you acquired, the lessons you learned for you to be able to um, have this position you have um, in okay. the nonprofit, yeah. Okay, cool. Yeah, no, I echo everything that um, Jeb and Kritika uh, said. And um, uh, I would say the, the most important lesson learned that that I would share or advice is to explore interest, kind of what Kritika and Jeb were saying is just, this is the time when you're a student to learn all new things. And I think that's what I did as a master's and, and doctoral student. Um, I, I will give a caveat though, don't do too much and get overwhelmed because I did do that during my PhD. I was kind of the wild child and at my university, um, I just, there was a lot of, there was limited nutrition research in my department. And so I ended up having to go outside of my department and I worked with, and which was actually a great opportunity, but I worked with faculty in sociology, anthropology, religious studies, and um, it's just uh, great to get that interdisciplinary experience. And then for school-wise specifically, I would say just be intentional and strategic with everything that you do within the scope of your work. And so even if it's for a school assignment or um, activity like volunteers, volunteer activities or involvement in a student organization, um, you can use your school assignments um, or those activities as a foundation for your thesis and dissertation work. When you volunteer for an organization, that becomes a transferable skill, whether you're a webinar coordinator, whether you're a conference, like a student conference leader um, or organizer, those are transferable skills. And when you do these school assignments, you start to build on your content your expertise and your area and so think of your schoolwork to find that path that you want to go um, I also took uh, electives um, that either gave me advanced training or introductions to a new field so I took a lot of advanced measurement classes because I really liked that area but I also took intro to new like classes like sustainable food systems because I wanted to learn about climate change and sustainable agriculture so be intentional, but also explore those interests as, as you can. Uh, and then lastly, I would say, um, as a student, I know it sometimes it's weird because there's there may be like a hierarchy you might feel, you know, especially if you're a doctoral student, you might feel like you have experience, but then you become a student again. Um, you also have a lot of flexibility in applying for student grants or student scholarships or student presentations and um, you know, going to conferences. Um, when I was a student, I applied for some APHA, American Public Health Association grants, and I became a student PI. Um, I also got internal grants at my university, and I think Critica did too. It's a student green energy fund. Um, those are opportunities where you can become a leader and you can use those transferable skills um, for any sector, whether it's academia, industry, or nonprofit. Oh, thank you, Whitney. Like, I, I like the... Um like the Gen Z would say, the energy in the room. <laughs> because um, I can see we're even answering some of our third panel, panel questions. Uh, but then 
moving back to the second question, thank you, Whitney. You've talked about how to navigate even grants as a student, um, grad student, you can get the APHA grant. I hope our audience, our participants are taking note, Green Energy Fund, even as a student, developing leadership skills and not overwhelming yourself. I got that too. Um, thank you. So moving to the second question, how would you describe your path? I mean, we all have um, a unique story. Um, how will you describe your path to securing your first or maybe your current job? Maybe this is not your first job. I know we've identified some early careers, but you had some experience like Whitney, Critica, even moving to your position now. How would you describe your career path to securing this job? And what are your um, insights or lessons to inspire others to get this kind of job? Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, I can start again. Yeah, so for me, you know, continuing my little theme here, life is all about relationships. Um, my my path to securing this job actually kind of came out of left field and partly because I invested in a relationship. And the relationship that I invested in was actually with Yanori Hernandez, who um, if you're part of SNEB, you know she's our, our new president. Um, so when she actually got elected as vice president a few years back, I noticed, you know, I just read her title and everything. And I saw that she worked at the Food and Agriculture Organization of the United Nations. I thought, wow, that's really, really incredible. At the same time, I was president of um, my graduate student organization at Rutgers. And I was like, you know what? So many of our students are asking for, you know, what are the paths that you can take in your career without, you know, going into academia necessarily, why don't I invite Yanori to come and do a Zoom webinar on, you know, her path? And it turned out when she was giving her presentation, I did not know any of this beforehand, but we had a lot in common. She did her uh, PhD in a very similar topic. She's in the same exact multi-state that I was in, but like from like 15 years ago. So it was just really cool to like, um, really connect with her and, and learn something new about a colleague like that. And so um, we've continued that relationship over the years. Obviously, um, she asked me to um, be um, a, a, a conference organizer for this past uh, SNEB conference. Um, but before that, um, last year, um, well, I guess uh, in 2021, I was entering my fourth year of my PhD. I was super burnt out. I was, you know, a year and a half into COVID. Um, I was like, I need to get out. And Yanori sent me a job posting with FAO. And she's like, hey, just, you know, share this with your network and everything. And I looked through it and I was like, wait. I, I'm eligible for this. Like, I, I would do a good job at this. And it'd be so cool, like, moving to Italy. Like, that'd be so, so neat. And so I sent it to my advisor. And I'm like, do you think it's time to start applying? And she's like, yeah, we can we can have that discussion. And so honestly, without that relationship that I developed with Yanori, I wouldn't have even have started the job search that year. Um, and so I didn't end up getting that job at FAO, obviously. Um, but um I, uh, because I started opening the door, it, it got me thinking more seriously about applying to academic jobs, particularly in extension, which was my main focus. And this position at South Dakota State opened up. They were looking for their very first extension specialist in nutrition. Um, and uh, the skills that they were uh, looking for were exactly the ones that I had both in my PhD and my previous experience. I happen to, again, with relationships, the supervisor who is hiring for that um, was good friends with my graduate program director. And so it just ended up being a really good fit. I had a really great visit. Um, and so part of me wants to say that I was lucky that such a, a great opportunity arose. But I also know that a lot of it was very intentional work that I've been building up for years in order to get to that spot. Um, so that's, that's kind of my fun story and how relationships impacted my my career success. Um, thank you, Jeff. Um, that was really concise and also giving us some insight that not necessarily you get your first job that you um, apply for, just learn from the process and also be ready to give it a reflection and see how best can you apply the skills you have to the appropriate or the relevant job you think you do best in. Thank you for that. Um, moving to critical, um, how did you get your job or maybe your first job and all transition to this job? Thank you. Yeah, sure. Um, so um, in, in my answer, I'm also going to answer um, 
something about like postdoc, whether it's needed or not. And I'm going to stick my answer to two minutes. So um, uh, um, during the last semester of my PhD, obviously, I wanted to graduate only if I have a job in hand. And that time I was very tied to just being an assistant professor. However, life happens. And um, the the thing with like student visa is the day you really defend your PhD, you are like, you you are at that risk of getting out of status. Um, and then you have to have this like OPT or work visa. And that's a different conversation. But I was like very terrified about it. And then I decided to get married like one week before my defense. So now I'm tied to a specific region. I just, I'm not open to moving to like California or somewhere. And that kind of um, added a factor to like well, limitations in my job search because I was very, very tied to this region and state and stuff. And then I learned about um, Center for Research Evaluation, which was located at my university. And I remember distinctly two and a half years ago, that was the same center that had refused to offer me a GA ship. I don't blame them. I was not prepared at all. I did not have the skill set that was needed to be a successful GA in that department. And I did not have the experience. I did not even know what evaluation was. So what I did was I referred back to the same email from two and a half years ago, see the feedback that I had received on why I was rejected as a uh, potential GA. And then I crafted a very nice email on what all skill set have I developed over the two and a half years when, hey, you did not offer me GA. However, I do think I'm ready for a postdoc because this is what I have done in um, my journey being in the US and doing all the great things that I have done. And the director was very, very helpful. Everyone at the department was very helpful. And they were like, yes, <laughs> you are going to be a postdoc um, at our center. And I mentioned that because I am repeatedly saying I did not have that evaluation background, but I was so grateful that I had this opportunity to work as a postdoc because suddenly in my portfolio, I have funding from NIH, NHGRI, IES, which is Education Sciences, NIGMS. So we are literally talking about multi-million dollar portfolio. Suddenly, I'm working on grants that are federally contracted. Now, directly, I was unable to work on that because I'm not a citizen. I was not a green card holder. So you cannot be working on certain federal contracts. However, as a postdoc, you do have that opportunity. Because you are a university employee, you get to work on those, those contracts. So I think that really worked in my favor. And now I'm working for this consulting company. I worked as a postdoc for roughly um, eight to nine months. And uh, when I added all this fun and skill set that I had obtained during my postdoc, I was able to get my um, current job. So I'm still working for the kind of same federal agencies, but I would not have been able to do that if I had not done my postdoc. So that's what uh, that's where I mentioned that if it were the same subject matter, it would not have really mattered. But because this was different and those grants and those funding agencies, that experience was very, very important for me to have, I was able to get my second job. Thank you, Critical. I, I I can just pick one or two things because I want Whitney to also give us a very good <laughs> detail on getting this postdoc in Gretchen Center. Um, thank you for saying that. Identify the skill set you need and work on those and build that and be able to highlight or write down. I think taking notes, note taking is important to look at where I'm coming from, what I need to do and where I am going. Thank you, Whitney. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, um, I I won't go to detail because I feel like I shared, you know, the, my past experience ready about uh, as an extension agent and then working at the food bank as a data insights manager. Um, I, I would just say each person, and I think you could see through the three of us that you learn to craft your own story. And so again, just taking the transferable skills, what you've built from your degree, whether it's your bachelor's or master's or your PhD, you learn to craft your story and you find positions that fit those skills that you have, or just try. Um, like at the food bank, um, my dissertation committee actually didn't think it was appropriate because it was a um, kind of like a data data visualization position. And I didn't do any data visualization, but I took some Tableau courses on Coursera for free. And I learned to create dashboards, basically creating tables and charts. So things that we would already do as a researcher, but doing it in a food bank's practice setting. So learning to craft your own story and Along the way, as I mentioned, through your coursework, through your explorations, um, and finding um, 
what you like the most. I've, I've become kind of this from going from individual level nutrition education and cooperative extension to a, I would say, a broad um, sustainable food systems researcher. And so I've done things from the gamut of food production to food waste management. And I started food waste um, kind of work when I was a uh, first year post uh first year doctoral student in my policy class. And so really you just kind of pick up skills, pick up interests, and then you craft that story. And then that's how I kind of got to the postdoc is they're very focused um, on measurement at the Gretchen Swanson Center for Nutrition. Um, they do a lot of food and nutrition security work, which is my background. They work with a lot of food banks, food pantry, which are experience that I've done. And then I'm on the GUSNIP team, which funds the uh, nutrition incentive and the produce prescription project. So it is a federal funded grant under USDA NIFA, but I'm on the GUSNIP team. And while I have no experience in nutrition incentive programs, I'm carving out a piece for my case study during my postdoc um, where I'm trying to focus on a farmer's experience in GUSNIP participation. So really taking, um, being again, intentional strategic with what you've done and where you want to go, um, I think is, you know, how you start carving that path. Thank you, Whitney. I am taking notes. I'm not just moderating. <laughs> I am taking notes. <laughs> Thank you. Um, you just talked about like, not just looking out for crafting your story, but identify what you've learned in your previous job or previous experience or in class or in the course you took. Um, and then identifying how best can I scale up, you know, and apply this. You're even talking about how this is helping you in your current postdoc position in evaluation of food and nutrition security project, the incentive programs. Awesome. Thank you. Um, moving to the third question, because I know our time is going and we want to entertain one or two questions, if not more, from our audience. Um, Thank you, Critica. I can see you've listed some skills. Yeah, so back to Jeb, but guys, take note of those skills. Um, identifying key skills. Um, if you look at skills, we're not just talking about um, know how to do nutrition assessments, the ABCD, you know, that we're used to in classes. Beyond that, beyond that, in academia, what do you think? grad students or even early career professionals should look out for job-specific skills that will help us and that are essential for our success or even landing that job we're looking at. And that will also help us maybe proficiency. You've talked about relationship, interpersonal relationship or blending those out. Not like give us one, two, three, but how best do you think we can navigate those skills and you can itemize if you want to. Thank you, Jeff. Yeah. Um, so yeah, not to be a broken record, but definitely relationship building, I think, is something that's just very underlooked in your typical um, graduate school experience, right? You know, we learn how to do the science, we learn how to write the grants, we, we learn a lot of that. But really being able to not only um, because a lot of us do community based work, and so we're trying to um, negotiate our research needs with community needs, but also learning how to build relationships within your department and at your university. Particularly at me, I work at an R2. And so we are a research university, but we're not as high output as an R1 university. And so I'm trying to have a similar level of output as a researcher with less funding and fewer resources. And so the only way that anyone can be successful at that is by building relationships across the aisle, across departments. And one of the things that I loved about SDSU is that everyone works really well together. And so there's not tons of like department politics. I mean, every every university's got its thing, but I overall there are people that are really willing to work together. The other big thing that I think, you know, I constantly am like, I wish I learned this in grad school is more about like um, kind of business planning and project management. Um, being a PI, particularly if, if you want to be a PI, it's a lot about, it's like being a business owner. Um, and so it's a lot of negotiating, um, you know, seeking funding, um, dealing with management, dealing with human resources, and 
a, a lot of that eats up your time where you're like, I thought I was hired to do research. I thought I was hired to do teaching. And um, you, you don't realize how much of, of the other skills that you don't necessarily have in your graduate degree um, are important for there. So any, any place that you can develop those skills or um, if you are a new faculty, you know, seek mentorship beyond, you know, your, your typical advisor, you know, go to other faculty members who have successfully gotten tenure, who um, are, are doing the things that you want to be doing in five to 10 years and, and get their advice on how they've managed it. Thank you, Jeb. Moving to critical. Um, critical, um, I think it's a privilege to be a moderator. I'm also an international student. So when you are talking of skills, looking at, oh, how best, where can I get a job? Looking at OPT and things like that, I would say that was something for me. But going back to the skills, you've listed a lot. Thank you. I took note. I, I, I still forgot some. Yeah, so I want you to talk, but I'm just giving a context. Um, Jeb mentioned human resources. Even in the academia, you need to manage maybe postdoc, research fellow, project manager, things like that. And you get to do with human resources, negotiation skills, paying of, I mean, stipend or salary. So critical, how did you manage the postdoc position, those skills that you learned that were able to help you get to this point of consulting? Thank you. I, I do want to add something uh, which may be a unique experience. I hope all PhD students get that. I got that. I was privileged in that way. My advisor was very open and very helpful. She did the actual, actual advising. Um, she listed me as a PI on grants, which very few PhD students have the privilege of, right? And when I'm listed as PA, I'm not talking about like on papers. I'm talking about all the responsibility that comes with it. So for example, negotiation, how to run the paid role, how to set your own stipend. Now the stipends at Southern area in um, general are usually low compared to the entire US. But when I was a PI of my grants, my advisor encouraged me to list the stipend that I think I deserve right? Because it's coming from an external grant. I did not know how to navigate all those nuances. So I did have that privilege. I definitely want to acknowledge that my advisor was super, super helpful. Other than that, I, I would say like some of the hard skills, like we get too much focused on soft skills, for example, communication, interpersonal skills. What we don't realize is that when we develop those hard skills, it's your soft skills are automatically articulated in the way that you speak, in the way that you build your relationships, in the way that you build network. So I, in addition to the skills that I have listed in the chat, I would also like you to all to think creatively about how you are doing strategic planning, how you are doing policy analysis, how you are doing negotiation, how you are doing roadmap development. I would like to share an example. When I was a PhD student, I was in a couple of... Um, advisory boards of my university graduate school. And in those advisory boards, the obviously one of the um, expectations was for us to give advice on behalf of graduate students, like what are we really expecting from this advisory board, whether it was focused on mental health, whether, whether it was focused on um, um, uh, incentives and all that stuff. So now during that role, which had nothing to do with my PhD, but during that role, I was doing a lot of policy analysis for the university. What things that we are proposing fall within the universities? What, what thing needs expansion of the policy or revision of the policy? And how are we going to strategically plan to propose our ideas to the higher administration? And when we are talking about higher administration, we are talking beyond the university because not everything is in, under the chancellor of the university, right? Some things have to go through the um, uh, public representatives and stuff like that. But just being able to connect the dots that this is what you are doing. When you're in the process, you don't even know what you are doing. When you're a grant PI, you don't know you're doing project management or fiscal management and all those fancy words that are very, very prevalent, that lingo, that industry lingo. You are already doing it. And I want you to encourage you to really think what you are doing. What is the hard skill that um, defines the work that you are doing? I promise you're already doing it, but you just need to come up with that word. Okay. Thank you, Whitney. <laughs> I know we're almost running out of time and I still want to entertain the participant question. Sorry, guys. <laughs> we'll wait. No, no, no. No problem. I should, I should, I think I should go quick, but Jeb and Kaika already said really, really great, uh, great things. And um, I would just, again, uh, be open to learning skills that you might not know. Like, 
like I agree with Critica. I promise you, you have so many skills, you just have to put it on paper and identify the transferable skills. Um, but I would, uh, again, be intentional about, so think about like when you're looking through job postings, look at positions you might be interested in. And this could be research focus, policy focus, or practice. And because I think skills could apply for all of these, but be intentional about where you wanna be. So if you wanna be involved in policy work, you want to take maybe an advocacy workshop. If you want to do more practice-related work, volunteer at a food bank or a nonprofit, you know, a nonprofit organization. If you're interested in research, volunteer at a research lab on campus. Contact a faculty member. Be a part of a research team. Um, but other tangible skills, depending if you're not you're at the master's or PhD level, I would say um, research methods is very helpful. You know, any basic class like that, stats courses, grant writing, and then just be open to um, you know, always learning uh, web, all these webinars. If you search uh, webinars, CDC, NIH, um, you know, any type of nonprofits, just attend them and then Coursera as well. There's a lot of free courses. You can learn these skills and, and become that content expert in whatever field or position that you want to be in, uh, to be a part of in the future. Back oh. to you, Mary. Yeah, thank you so much, guys. I would want to give like a round of applause to our panelists. <laughs> Thank you so much. My notes are full. <laughs> but then, um, do we have any of the audience that want to ask one or two questions? Um, but before that, um, we also wanted to know that the SNAB students division are also trying to recruit student volunteers. Please try to reach out to our president, um, Cindy Singh. Uh, any of the other um, emails that is projected on the screen, or you can send us a chat, how do I become a volunteer at the student division? If you're a student member, kindly reach out to any of the um, executives, or you can take a screenshot of this and reach out to one of us. We appreciate you reaching out. We do have a lot of um, activities and plan in this um, academic year. So back to the audience. Um, who wants to speak up or you just want me i know critical whitney jeb i've been doing a great job answering there um in the comment section and also the question and answer tab but if you want to speak up and ask questions maybe most times typing sometimes will not give the context if you think you want to ask questions um we can open up that opportunity for you i don't know neela are you there i can't see any hands raised um are we good or we have all the questions answered. It looks like it looks like we have all the questions answered awesome. already, and our panelists are doing great job at doing both Thank answering. Thank you so much. So, <laughs> if any other questions, please feel free to send it in the chat or in the question answer. And for the panelists, if you want to elaborate on something that you've already answered, we have time to do that as well. Okay. So now, since we don't have any. Um, questions coming up from the audience. I have more time for my panelists. I have more questions for you. Um, within these few minutes, we have just six minutes, but um, within three to four minutes before we end the session. And I also want um, all our panelists to know that we're really grateful for this opportunity. It's not an opportunity that comes easily for us to assess you all your busy schedules. So back to a question, you've been talking about networking, building relationships. Um, how best did you navigate building relationship? Because I know as a grad student, especially if you're not familiar with the US terrain, how did you like meet your, not like a first gig, but you just step out of that box. It comes naturally to some people, but some of us, we tend to like think, how do I build this I, relationship? Yeah. I, I do want to add something to it. Since I was an international student, first okay. time out of my country, first time in the US, I was very, very um, underconfident um, in my you know very first year, in the very first uh, month that I was in the US. I was like, I don't know if my accent is right. I don't know if the person next to me will understand what I'm even talking about. I don't know if my sentence structure is proper and all that stuff. And also when I saw myself in a PhD classroom and I saw other students around me, I had this sense of, oh my God, everyone else knows so much more than me. 
So I would say um, it wasn't easy. However, you do have to step out of your comfort zone. There is no easy way. It does not come naturally. It's very, very challenging. But the first thing <laughs> that I did um, uh, was actually like you look up YouTube about like some of the lingos that, you know, professors would just use. Um, and there was no like, I mean, nobody obviously, you know, did that intentionally. However, I saw in the email communications or even in the classroom, some random words that you, they used. And I was like, I don't know what they're saying about. And even like, I'll give you a very simple example. Like in the South, I, I think half of you might know, like you all is typed as your like Y-A-L-L, right? And I was like, what, what word is that? I don't know. Google it. YouTube it. When I first time saw Starbucks, I was like, I don't know how to even order at Starbucks because of, you know, tall, grande and all that sizes. I was like, like terrified of placing an order at Starbucks. But I looked up YouTube. So initially I was not feeling confident enough to reach out to like friends because I did not have any friends but eventually like through Google and YouTube I did develop that confidence and now I'm like okay if there's any problem I'm just gonna send an email at the worst they will not respond to me or they will connect me with somebody else who might have the answer but yeah you I think it there's no like correct way to do it but yeah kind of just have to do it Thank you, thank you, thank you. As we're coming to um, the end of the webinar, we have three more minutes before we go, but I wanna say that I'm also opportune to be um, an international student because I would say it's an opportunity looking back. Um, but currently I'm the coordinator of the Radar Red Food Pantry and it didn't come easy because first I have to look at my accent, I'm from Africa, but then it started with volunteering. like. And yeah, I know tech here gives us an opportunity to even take an English class for a non-native speaking, also to help you with maybe communication and trying to know those terminologies, those American terms, but as well as possible overcoming the shyness, you can do community service, getting to meet people and having conversation can also help you build your confidence, even communicating and volunteering was just thing for me because I'm like, oh, we have a food pantry, a food bank. We think was talking about food bank. And I said like a food security intervention. I mean, that was a great plus for me. And I volunteered three months for free, you know, but as grad students, we were busy. But please, if you have the opportunity, go for community service. Um, above and beyond contribute to the society. It comes to relationship beauty, it comes to service to humanity, it comes to joining SNAB student division when it comes to going for conferences. And we have travel funds, even within the organization or university, they can help. And I know our panelists are willing to also maybe answer questions or email if you reach out to them. The last slide is showing their contact. Um, you can reach out to them. Um, Jeb is a professor, associate professor, critical working in the consulting firm, Whitney. Um, postdoc in a non-profit they all have their word of experience and from what we've end to learn today um we just have to navigate that not just because we want to but because we want to be successful in our career and thank you all we will share the slides and also at the end of this um, slide we have a tip sheet from our panelists they share the tip sheets on um, how you can navigate even funding grants. You can look at that in the handout that will be sent to you was mentioned at the beginning for housekeeping. And if you have anything, you can feel free to reach out to myself or Nila um, and also um, the SNAB. I think the flyer for the SNAB student division is also posted in the chat box. Please reach out to us and thank you to all our, um, our panelists, Whitney, Critical, Jeff, Nila, my co-coordinator, um, the one in behind the scenes. She has been doing awesome. Thank you, everyone. I hope you had a great time and also have value for our time that we've spent today. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Feel free to reach out to every one of us, the executive in SNB Student Division, as well as our panelists. I believe they're accessible. Thank you. Yes. Um, yeah. I think we are right on time. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, just want to close things out. Uh, okay. Thank you again to Mary and Neela uh, for uh, hosting the webinar today. And thank you as well to our three panelists for sharing their knowledge and experience with everyone. Um, it's greatly appreciated. Um,
just as a reminder to our attendees, uh, please complete the survey that you will receive when we close out today's session. Uh, your feedback is very helpful both to SNEB and our panelists. Uh, please be on the lookout for an email by Friday with the recording of today's session, uh, the handouts, and that certificate for your CEUs. Uh, if you enjoyed today's webinar, be sure to check out our next webinar, uh, which you can find on the webinar section of the website. Uh, that next webinar is coming up on Monday, September 24th, and it will be at the beginning of the Fall Journal Club webinars, uh, the best of JNEB series. That is everything for today. Uh, thank you all for joining us and have a great day. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. Bye-bye.